Welcome to another edition of Simplifying the Sod. This week's class is based on the teachings of Rav Pinchas Friedman, as given in Shvile Pinchas. This year, 5782, which corresponds to the secular year of 2022, Rosh Chodesh, Tammuz begins on Tuesday night, June 28th, and extends on to June 29th and June 30th. Happy birthday, Abi and Mariah. We have the Pedaj. Today's Rosh Chodesh. Everybody uh, had in mind in Musaf this morning? The reverse letters of the. The reverse letters. Okay. Well, I didn't mind the reverse letters. A, yeah, when you sing, so you have a chance tomorrow also. In the Beracha for the Amidah Musaf. When you say Baruch HaTashem, right? It's Chodesh, right? So when you say the, the Hashem's name, you have to look at Hashem's name and you have to reverse the letters of Hashem's name. Instead of Yud Kei Vav Kei, you have to see it as Hey Vav Hey Yud, because the the kavana of the month of Tammuz is from Haman. All this is worthless to me, and that's the the, the letters, the last letters of the pasuk, forms the the Havaya in the reverse. And you have to think that it's our job to bring it back to the right way. Yeah. I was nervous today. Tomorrow's yeah. time. Today's Arab. Today. Today's Rosh Chodesh. It was great. I mean, it worked out great. Rosh Chodesh is always a holiday, especially for ladies. It worked out perfect. Beautiful. Yeah, but, but it does mean that that Mazal is necessarily bad. It's, in fact, if good things could happen. Yes. A person just has to be very. Because, because, you're, because we, we can reverse that Mazal. I think it's a period of deen. That's what the, the idea okay. is. You have to just consider it a period of deen. Be careful. So at the beginning of this week's parasha, we read about uh, you know, one of the most disturbing controversies in, in our history. It's Korach, 250 guys come along with him, and they, uh, they confront and they question the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. So we read in the Pasuk that Korach ben Yitzad ben Kehat ben Levi, he separates himself, and then it seems he has other guys that really have nothing to do with his argument, Datan and Aviram and On ben Pelet and then all these people from Reuben. And they come to Moshe and they, they have an <coughs> argument with Moshe. So Rashi explains what was the bone of contention which prompted Korach to challenge Moshe and Aaron. Where, where did Korach get so upset? So what Rashi brings is that we have in addition to in addition to Moshe and Aaron, we have in each tribe a Nasi, a president of the tribe. And the president of the tribe of Levi, the person who was appointed, his name is Elisafan ben, Elisafan ben Uziel. He was appointed as the prince of the tribe of Levi. And, he was, and Korach was very, very upset. Why? So Korach says to himself, this is crazy. There are four sons of Kehat. That's Levi has a son, Kehat. Kehat has four sons. The oldest is Amram. The oldest is Amram. So Moshe and Aharon are both the sons of Amram. So they took the two big jobs. The second son, the second son is Yitzhar. I'm the son of Yitzhar, Korach says. I should have got the next job. Instead, they skipped me. They skipped the other brother. They went to the youngest brother. 
and they gave the job to the youngest brother. So he says that Korach basically went home. He was very, very upset. He told his wife, you believe what they did to me? They, uh, they skipped over me. They gave the job to my cousin. This is crazy. Which job is this? The president of the tribe of Libby. Nasi of the tribe of Libby. So he says, so, you know, what should his wife have done? You know, she should have let him vent. And she said, listen, honey, don't feel bad. You have the job of carrying the ark. You carry the ark of Hashem. That's what better job do you want? The ark actually carries you. And not only that, Korach, you are the richest man of all of B'nai Israel. There's nobody comes close to you. It says that Korach discovered the treasure of Yosef HaSadiq, one third of the treasure, and he, had, he was the wealthiest man of all the people who left Egypt. He had more than anybody else. Talks about his wealth, how many, it talks about hundreds of donkeys just to carry the keys to the safe. When you're saying this, it reminds me of Haman. Exactly the same as Haman, because, you know, Haman, and that's really why we always read this with relating to that pasuk, where, and it's even the same thing, because Haman comes home, and his wife, you know, he's with his wife and his, all his advisors, and he talks about how wealthy he is, how much honor he has, how great his children are. And he says, Everything that I have is worthless to me. Korach, the same. The same exact thinking. He says, all of that I have, I have all this wealth. I have honor. I have wonderful children. But all that's worthless because they appointed my cousin to be the prince and not me. So it seems that he may have had thoughts against Moshe and Aaron before, and this pushed him over. Now his wife could have said, sweetie, don't worry, you're the richest guy, relax, be happy. Your cousin has nothing, let him be the president, it's just a title. Let's just get on with it. Instead, what does she do? She pushes him, pushes him, pushes him to rebel. It's interesting, it says that when Mashiach comes, Korach is going to rise, but not his wife. Okay. <laughs> She, she really had the ability to fix the whole situation Like the, the wife of On Ben Pelet We have another guy who's mentioned And we don't see him later on And Rashi says, what happened? This guy's wife said to him On, what are you doing? If Korach wins, you're still the second guy If Moshe wins, you're still who you are There's no difference in your life So what did she do? She got him drunk He was sleeping in the morning They came to get him he, she took out her hair to brush her hair and uh, they didn't want to come into the tent because they saw her sitting in the front of the tent with her hair and, uh, and she, uh, she saved her husband's life. So the fact is, Korach could have been saved if his wife gave him advice to just chill, relax. But it seems Korach is so upset that he's not appointed the Nasi and that his cousin was, now he wants also the job of Aharon and maybe the job of Moshe. But it seems he really wants the job of Aaron. So he says, Moshe says to Korach, he says, he says uh, now he's asking Korach, why are you seeking the priesthood? What gives you the right to seek the priesthood? Okay, you want to say that we skipped you to be president of the tribe? That's one thing, but why, why, the, why the priesthood? So the rabbis tell us that he was prompted something very interesting from Bamid Barabah. He says he was prompted because of something relating to his name. His father's name was Yitzhar. Yitzhar. What does Yitzhar mean? 
No, Yitzhar. So it says, it says we say, we say in, uh, in Vehayayim Shamoa, right? We say that Hashem, Tiroshcha Ve'yitzharecha. What's Tiroshcha? Your grain. Ve'yitzharecha, your oil. So he says, my father's, my grandfather is Kehat, the son of Levi. He named his son Yitzhar. Yitzhar means oil. My father's name is oil. And they skipped over my father. How could they skip over my father? My father's name is oil. What does it mean that his father's name is oil? Furthermore, it's written in Zechariah. He says, there are two sons of Yitzhar who stand before the Lord of the entire earth. There's a pasuk in, uh, in Zechariah. Uh, so he says, what does that mean? He says, who are the two children? Who are the two children of Yitzhar? He says, these are Aharon and David. Why? Because Aharon is anointed with the oil as the priest, and David is anointed as the, with the oil for the kingship. So Korach argues, if Aharon, just because he got the oil, and David, because he got the oil poured on his head, he should be the king and he should be the priest, my name is oil. My father's name was oil. I should be not only the king, I should be the king and the priest. That's his argument. So at first glance, the Midrash is, is, is strange. What does it mean? Because of your name, you think that you should be? Because of your father's name? Is, is Yitar, you think you should be? So it's interesting that we have an explanation based on what the Maharzuhi's commentary on the Midrash. He says that the son of Yitar means the son of oil. For Yitar means oil. He says it's for this reason that Kehat, the father of Yitar, named his son such. Because Yitar resembled oil, in that he was superior to all his brothers in wealth, wisdom, and greatness. He goes further. He says that our early ancestors, when they, they had Ruach HaKodesh, they were able to see what would happen to their children, and they would name their children based on the events they were destined to experience. So he's saying that Korach, that Korach's father, Korach's grandfather, named his father Yitzhar because he knew that this boy would be special, more special than anyone else. He goes further. Had Kehat, so this Korach is thinking, had Kehat, my grandfather, not seen by Ruach HaKodesh, that the children of Yitzhar would be greater than all of the others. And he says, look, who's the richest guy in all of the me? He says that he would never have named him Yitzhar. He says, so there was Nebuah through my grandfather naming him Yitzhar, that I am from oil, and therefore I should be entitled to be anointed. The Gemara explains that a person should know that his name influence, influences what's going to happen in his whole life. So we have to be very careful we name someone because their name will influence their life. He goes further. Israelis name the kids Nimrod. Yeah. So thank God some of them change it. So... Had the generations of mankind, had we been meritorious, had we, had we, had we been Zohar, then Hashem would have named each and every one of us based on who we are and who we would be. And we see this, that it says, these are the families of Levi, the families of Livni, the family of Shimi, because he heard Shammah, the prayers, the family of Hebroni, because the Shekhinah attached from the word Chibur, and so on and so forth. So he brings all of the names of the original names, he explains each one, how it showed the connection of that person to Hashem. 
So this is what the Midrash is saying. He says, when Korach saw that his grandfather Kehat, the, the best of the children of Levi, he says, when he saw that he named his second son Yitar, meaning oil, he concluded that Kehat was alluding to him personally, to Korach himself. As the son of Yitar, Korach felt he was worthy and deserved to be the Kohen Gadol, as if he was anointed with anointing oil. Go further. He says, we still have to try to understand how Korach, who's supposed to be this very clever person, of the highest, highest level, genius, genius, how can he make such a tragic error? He's coveting the position of Kohen Gadol because his father's name is Yitar. Is he just reading into whatever he wants to read into in the prophecy? Furthermore, we have to explain why Hashem would subject Korach to such a difficult test. Hazit, the poor guy. You made him the richest guy. You gave him this job. You named him this name. You let him see in the future that his descendant is going to be Samuel the prophet, who's equal to Moshe and Aaron in some ways. What do you do it to this guy for? And then what do you do? You, you let his youngest cousin become the president of the tribe just to push him over the brink? Why did Hashem test Korach with such a difficult test? What was the purpose? He must have been very great to have been so Korach was, was, was as high as you could get. Like spiritual potential. Exactly. As, as, big as, as big as you could get. So we're going to see who he was. So the, the Torah describes and says, and then, and then really what happens is, Moshe, why does Moshe choose the punishment that he chooses? That the earth should open up and swallow Korach, right? And all of them should be swallowed alive into the ground and then the earth should close its mouth. So we go through the Torah's description. He says, through this shall you know that Hashem sent me to perform all these acts, for it was not from my heart. If these men die like the death of all men, and the destiny of all men is visited upon them, then it is not Hashem who has sent me. But if Hashem will create a creation, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them and all that they have, and they descend alive to the pit, then you're going to know that these men provoked Hashem. So Moses is almost saying, I need proof to show that Korach is wrong and I'm right. Meaning Korach's argument had to be so, so strong that Moshe was afraid that he was lost. So he needed this miraculous thing. Hashem complies with what Moshe asks. And we say when the Sadiq decrees, Hashem does. So Moshe asked, Hashem did. And the Pasuk tells us when he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open, the earth, so on and so forth. Now, the rabbis have a question. So the question is this. If the mouth of the earth, we know it says in Pirkeavot that there were certain things that were created right before Ben Hashem Ashot, right before Shabbat. One of the things that were created during the six days of creation before Shabbat was the mouth of the earth that would open. So the question they all ask is this. If the mouth of the earth was created during the six days of creation, why does Moshe say, God, do this, and if it exists, okay, and if not, create it? If it was already created, and the Mishnah Perkeavot is telling us, and how do we know that the Mishnah Perkeavot is right? Because it says, Moshe kibel Torah misinai, and he gave to Yeshua, and Yeshua said, so if Moshe is the one who's really the author of the Mishnah, and he knows that the 
this, this opening in the ground was already created from the six days of creation. Why is he saying to Hashem, if it's a creation, good, and if not, do it. If it's a creation, he should know it's a creation. So we, we, so we go on, we say that Moshe obviously knew. So how can Moshe have doubts that he should, he should say such a thing? So we see that uh, the Tosvod Yom Tov on the Mishnah, he too senses the difficulty pointed out, and the Al-Sheikh comments on this as well. The Al-Sheikh is the one who asks this question. He says, how can Moshe say created if Moshe knows it's created? What is Moshe asking? So he points out that Moshe, in actuality, he's not asking for the mouth of the earth to be created, but because of the language he's using, he wants the earth to open its mouth and, so to say, to speak. What does it mean, earth to open its mouth? He wants the earth to speak. He says, yes, if Hashem created the mouth of the earth to open and swallow Korach and speak, good. But if it's not meant to speak, I want Hashem to give the earth the ability to speak. Why is it so important for him to say that the earth should have the ability to speak? He continues, the Tosfot Yom Tov goes on further and he says that if you see from the verses that what happens in essence is that, is that, is that the, earth, the, the earth opens up and the earth is giving a play-by-play action of what's happening to the point that everyone around is hearing the earth speaking and all the people go running. So it was crucial for Moshe that Hashem should create this aspect of the earth that the earth should open its mouth to be able to speak. Again, why? So upon review of the events, we find the punishment was, that was given to Korach and his assembly focused primarily on the earth opening its mouth to speak. And this was instigated by Moshe's decree. It was ordered to report loudly. This is from the, this is from the Gemara Sanhedrin. It was ordered to report loudly everything that happened to Korach and his assembly within the bowels of the earth. This coincides with the reliable testimony of Rabbah Barchana found in the Gemara. He reports that he went out to the desert and they he found a guy and there was smoke coming from the ground and they put their ear to the ground and they heard Korach and his group still saying that Moshe v'torato emet. We admit which we messed up. He's probably still yelling at his wife that she didn't uh, tell him to calm down. He says, Moshe v'torato emet. Moshe and his Torah are met. So he says, he says that we, we hear that and that this is the constant talking from the ground. Go further. It says that Korach wanted to be the Kohen Gadol because he was Ben Yitzhar, the son of Yitzhar, which means the son of, of, of oil. The Zohar Kadosh in Parshat Shemini teaches us a fascinating principle explaining why Hashem cautioned Aaron Kohen. Do not drink wine or any intoxicating beverage, you and your sons with you when you come to the Olamoed. So after the death of, of Nadav and Avihu, Hashem appears to Aharon alone. And he tells Aharon, you and your sons, when you come into the, the Mishkan, don't drink wine or any, any uh, hard liquor. And this is a message directly to Aharon. He says, why is he telling him this? So based on, this, the Zohar, based on this in the Zohar, it says, Our sources explain there are two paths regarding a way to serve Hashem. One path is inconspicuously, 
and the second path is in public for everyone to see. So there are two choices. Either Beseter, Nistar, right? Or Begalui. So he says, in the formula we recite in Shachrit every day, we say, Le'olam Yehe Adam, Yeresh a person should fear heaven, Beseter, Ubegalui. A person should fear heaven in his own, uh, so to say, in his bedroom, hidden, and in public. A lot of people in public wear the whole outfit and... But when they're behind the door, they do what they want. It's actually the opposite. In public, you should be... Less. People should look at you and think you're not a tzaddik. So, they, so, he's saying, so he's saying, a person should be the same. He should, he should, what he's going to do, he should do. So a person should always fear heaven privately as well as openly. So it's easier, more people fear heaven openly than they do privately. That's one of the reasons that certain type of thief is punished more than other because... One, he's afraid of Hashem and the, and the people. The other, is So it says, In Likutei Torah, the Arizal, he applies this concept to interpret the Pasuk in Devarim, that it says, Hanistarot Hashem Elokeinu, The hidden things of Hashem, our God, but the revealed things are for us and our children forever. He says, these words, Hanistarot Hashem Elokeinu, he says, this is Yir'ah, Ve'ahava, Shehem Balev. What is the nistara? What are the hidden things? That's fear and love of Hashem, which are really in a person's heart. You don't know what a person's really thinking. He says, and what's the revealed? He says, that's the mitzvot that you do in public. That's the mitzvot that people do. So fear and love are in the heart, and the revealed is the mitzvot that we do. He says that we have to be careful with both. The Zohar Kadosh explains, these two approaches are represented by wine and oil. Wine symbolizes the service of Hashem openly and audibly. How? We're all familiar where, where we say, where, where it says, when a person, he says, Nichnas Yayin, right? A person, wine comes in and what goes out? Secret. So when a person has wine, secrets escape. Wine. It, it takes you out of the place of sod. It takes you out of the place of secret. It brings you into the public. goes further. In the Gemara, Berachot says, shira ela al A person doesn't sing unless they have wine. So, so wine helps a person with singing. Wine helps a person to be loud. He says, in contrast to the wine, we have oil. Oil symbolizes secrecy and quiet. The commentaries explain that when oil is spilled from one vessel to another, it doesn't make any noise. Thus, it represents the avodah the service of the heart, which is performed silently and with an internal focus. According to the Zohar, according to the Zohar Kadosh, it says the Kohen who performs the, sacrifice, the sacrificial service in the Ben HaMikdash, remember, where is the Kohen when he's doing all of his work? He's inside. Nobody can see him. Nobody's allowed in. The Kohen represents, according to the Zohar, the oil. He says, while the actual sacrificing of the Korbanot is a physical act, the essential part of the Avodah is internal and it's silent. Focusing on the deeper secret, secret significant of the act and having the proper intent, L'Shem Shamayim. He says, this is the meaning, Ul Ovdo to serve Hashem with all your heart, service from the inner aspects of the heart, which is like the oil. He says, for this reason, Aaron Kohen, Aaron the, the priest, 
He says, the head and foremost of all the Kohanim, how did you anoint him? Shemen Hamishcha, anointing oil. Says in Vayikra that Moshe, he poured on him, on, on the head of Aharon, right? Uh, this, this oil to anoint him. In uh, Tehillim it says, Keshemen Hatov Hayored Al Harosh, Yored Al Zaken Zaken Aharon. So it says the oil that's poured to anoint Aharon comes from his head onto his beard, the beard of who? The beard of Aharon. So David HaMelech is talking about the oil of anointing relating to Aaron. In contrast, the, the, the Kohanim is supposed to be the quiet. Who's the loud ones? Who's the singers? Levi. Who's Levi? The Avodah of the Leviim involved singing songs out loud to accompany the Korbanot. Their service was very public, was very apparent to everybody, similar to the wine, which is consumed in association with outward song, not silent and inconspicuous like oil. Hence, Hashem tells Aharon, you're going to be the Kohen Gadol, you're going to be the Kohanim. What do the Kohanim have to not, they have to make sure? Do not drink wine. Because wine is not related to Kehunah, wine is related to the Leviim, not to you. He says, because the Avodah of the Kohanim is secrecy. And the Avodah of the Kohanim, according to the Zohar, is based on the oil. Further, the Zohar Kadosh. And then the Imran Naom, quoting the Zohar Kadosh, gives us a beautiful insight. He says, regarding the Pasuk, where Rashi comments, Vayidom Aharon, so after Aaron's sons are killed, what does it say? Aaron could have complained. But what does the Pasuk say? Vayidom Aaron. Aaron was silent. He says, because Aaron was silent, he was rewarded for his silence. What was he rewarded with? That the speech of Hashem was directed to him alone. Hashem was only speaking to him. And that what it was speaking about was dealing with this idea of the wine. He says, so to understand this, he says that, based on the Gemara Megillah, In the manner a person deals with others, so Hashem's going to deal with him. It's Midah Kenegin Midah. So yet based on this, we, we have an explanation, right? Aharon stood silent. He accepted Hashem's decree, the death of his sons, without protest. He showed that he was worthy to be the Kohen Gadol. Because the Kohen Gadol is like the oil, and the oil is silence. Therefore, midah keneged midah, Hashem spoke to him quietly and only to him, and said, do not drink of any intoxicating beverage, you and your sons with you. <coughs> the reason he was given this in particular is because Yayin, we said, Nichnas Yayin, when you have wine, so it comes out. We now could start to understand what's going on in the, with Midrash with regard to, to Korach wanting to be the Kohen Gadol. Korach says, look, my name is Ben Yitzhar. I am the son of oil. It didn't make sense to him why his grandfather would name his second son Yitzhar, meaning oil, for, as we see, the Avodah of the Leviim was public. So the, if you wanted him to be a Levi, they should have named him for the wine and not the oil. He says, the, the Leviim sing songs. So why would Kehat, with his own prophecy, name his son Yitzhar? He says, he must have seen through Ruach HaKodesh that the son of Yitzhar, whose Korach is going to be, the Kohen Gadol resembling oil. So how do we attempt to justify the actions of Kehat? He did it with Ruach HaKodesh. Why would he do this? 
So you see that in, in reality, Korach misunderstood why his grandfather named his father Yitzhar. He interpreted his father's name as a sign that he was meant to be the Kohen Gadol. Because of this error, all him and the people with him were swallowed up by the earth. Right? So now we have to understand, so why did Yitzhar, why did Kehat name his son Yitzhar? And again, and why is Korach being given such a difficult, difficult test that it's almost impossible we see for him to not fail? So he says, we could explain Kehat's deeper intent based on an idea presented at length by the Arizal in Sha'ar HaPisukim and Sha'ar HaLikutim on this perashah. They explained that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgul. He was a reincarnation of Hevel. We know the name Moshe, Mem Shin He. <coughs> Hevel was the son of Adam and Chava. He was killed by Cain. And they have a third son to replace Hevel. It says Shet Tachad Hevel. So the Shin in Moshe's name is from Shet. And the Mem is Moshe. So first he's Hevel. Comes back as Shet. And Moshe comes to fix everything. Moshe, that's his name. In his name is all of it. He says so that... He says, who was Korach? Korach was a Gilgul of his brother, Cain. So now we have deja vu all over again, right? So, uh, Yogi Bear, right? So he <laughs> says, what happens? You have originally, what was the, what was the story with Hevel, Cain and Hevel? Cain came up with the idea to bring a sacrifice to Hashem. He comes up with this amazing idea that no one ever thought of. But he takes some of his uh, produce, not the best, whatever was left over, and that's what he puts on the altar to offer to Hashem. His brother, Hevel, says, wow, great idea. He takes the best of his sheep and he puts it on the altar. Hashem accepts the sacrifice of Hevel and not the sacrifice of of, uh, of, of Cain. Cain becomes enraged. Cain becomes jealous. Cain could have just said, you know, I should learn my lesson. I should have put better stuff. Let me try again. Instead, he becomes so angry at his brother and jealous of his brother that what does he do? He kills his brother. Says that... So now we see again what's happening. Moshe is Hevel. Korach is Cain. And Korach is again jealous of Moshe. His test would have been to work with Moshe. But he fails the test. This explains why Moshe, Hevel's Gilgul, decreed that Korach, Cain's Gilgul, be punished in such a dramatic fashion. He ordered the earth to open its mouth and swallow him just as the earth had previously swallowed Hevel's blood, thus performing a tikkun. When Cain kills Hevel, what does Hashem say? It says, Kol achicha, The voice of your brother's bloods, plural, So'akim Eli, a screaming to me, Mina Adama, from the ground. He says, so the same way that the, that, that the ground swallowed the blood of Hevel, Moshe wants in order to make a tikkun that the ground should swallow Korach. They and all who were with them went down alive into Sheol. But it goes further, he says. 
when Hashem is talking about the ground, he says, and he's talking about the, he's talking about Cain. He says, Ve'ata, now, Arurata, you are cursed, Mina Adama, from the ground, Asher Pasachta et Piha, he says, which opened its mouth, right, to take the blood of your brother from your hand. It's the same words, Upasata Hadama et Piha, that we have Moshe ordering the ground, the same exact language is used in Bereshit, in Genesis, as is used here, to show that the two incidents are completely related. Just like the ground swallowed Hevel, now the ground will swallow Cain. You go further, and you see a long thread of jealousy from Cain's dispute with Hevel, ultimately leading to the murder of Hevel, to the dispute between Korach and Moshe. Cain killed Hevel because he was jealous, and now, and Hashem turned to Hevel, he says, that's why he killed him. He says, this angered Cain, and he went and killed him. He says that, Rashi explains, Cain initiated a quarrel with his brother in order to find a pretext to kill him. Generations later, Korach, Cain's Gilgul, appears and continues in the same ways as Cain. He says, Cain was envious, and we see also Korach is envious. He says, so he invented a reason to challenge Moshe and Aharon's leadership. He said, everyone is holy. He came up with a whole argument. So you can now appreciate the greatness of Hashem's ways. He says, he subjected Korach now. So why did he do this to Korach? So Korach had the ability to fix the relationship between Hevel and Cain. Korach was sent back to the world. And any time that a person is sent back to the world, a person is given the same test that he failed at in order to see if he could pass this time. So to make the test at that level, what did Hashem do? He made it so that Korach felt my honor is being taken away. Now what is he going to do with that? Is he going to say, let it be? I already have the money. I already have the position. I already carry the ark. I already have wonderful children. Let my cousin have it. Bless you. No, he says that he didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So Rabbi, last week we talked about how Aaron was jealous of the mitzvot of the, of the tribes that brought all the Korbanot and he wanted it and we said that jealousy is a good jealousy. Right. But I guess Aaron stopped when he was told no, you, you could be jealous of someone's learning, you could be jealous of someone's mitzvot. So he's, of he's not, he wants his position. He wants the honor. He wants the honor that comes with position. Seems to want the honor that comes with the position. So had Korach accepted Hashem's verdict, that Moshe said, and he said to and Moshe, remember, Moshe tries to delay everything. He says, tomorrow, he goes to their houses and he says, please guys, don't fight. Moshe tries everything to get them to take it back and calm down. He says, what would have happened if he, if he would have just walked away? Okay, he was jealous? Okay, normal human reaction, right? But now Moshe is coming to him and saying, hey, chill, take it back, relax. He says, if he had done that, and if he would have been, he would have rectified the damage that was that was that Cain had brought onto the world. Moshe? Korach. Korach himself. So he said, as we know, during that Gilgul, the jealousy got the better of him. 
Had he passed Hashem's test, he would have fulfilled the words, the words in the Gemara, which we, we have in, in the Gemara of Shabbat, that those who suffer insult but do not return insult, he says, those who hear their disgrace but do not reply, and who perform Hashem's will out of love and are happy even in suffering, regarding them, the Pasuk states, says, but they who love him shall be as the sun going forth in its might. So he says, the Gemara is saying, it's reasonable. He could be upset. It's normal for him to be upset, not just upset. He could be very, very upset. But what do you do when you're very upset? If you swallow it and just let it be? That was a test. It goes further. Now we could understand a little bit why Kehat named his son Yitar. He said he knew that Hashem was destined to subject his grandson Korach a Gilgul of Cain to a difficult test. His extreme jealousy would be aroused once again, this time directed towards Moshe the Gilgul of Hevel. Therefore, Kehat came up with a way to establish a cure prior to the ailment. What was he hoping to do? He named his second son Korach's father Yitzhar, meaning oil. He hoped to convey to Korach that his tikkun hinged on him remembering that he was the son of Yitar, the son of oil, and the, the outstanding characteristic of oil is what? Silence. Vayidom Aharon, that's why Aharon earned everything. If Korach remained silent through his suffering, he would have been able to be metaken everything that happened to Cain. He wanted Korach to realize and understand that it was crucial for him to be silent and accept with love everything that Moshe Gilgul of his brother Hevel would do as Hashem commanded. So he said, Hevel, the, the lights of Hevel, so to say, the sparks of Hevel, there were 345 sparks. But because Hevel left the world early, only 37 of them were fulfilled and 308 had to be fixed. 345 is Moshe, Mem Shin Hei. 345. Hevel, Hey Bet Lamid is 37. And who's 308? Kuf, Reish, Chet, Korach. Korach could have fixed the whole relationship between Cain and Hevel by remaining silent. Did he know this So obviously he didn't know. But his grandfather knew and his grandfather tried to show him by being silent, you're the son of oil. What is oil supposed to do? Don't think that oil is going to make you the one that gets anointed to be the priest. You have to remember that the oil is there to teach you to be silent. Korach wasn't equal to the test. His, his, his jealousy caused him to misunderstand what his grandfather's intention was. He, he named him because he wanted him to be silent. Instead, he interpreted it to mean that he should be the Kohen Gadol. Consequently, as he did in the previous Gilgul, he opened his mouth and acted with chutzpah towards Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gilgul of Hevel. Not only did he not rectify the damage he brought in the previous Gilgul, he added insult to injury. So at this point, we have a, a better understanding of Moshe's motive in decreeing that that ground should open up and speak. He says, we learn from the Tosfo Yom Tov, Moshe prayed to Hashem that it would not be enough for the earth to open its mouth and just swallow. Rather, it also had to, it had to speak because we saw before that the earth was crying out 
So again, the earth had to cry out. He had to make everything equal, one situation to the other situation. Korach's punishment is truly midah kenegen midah. He dared to open his mouth and challenge Moshe, the servant of Hashem. He failed to remain silent. He should have adopted the characteristic of oil. Therefore, the earth, which is silent by nature, opened her mouth and spoke out loudly to all of Bnei Israel, reporting back all that happened to Korach. For this reason, after Korach and his people were swallowed up, they too opened their mouths, crying out to this very day, Moshe emet. He says, in this manner, the Korach and his people can make amends and rectify because they opened their mouth to challenge Moshe and now they have to open their mouth constantly to show that they were wrong. So he said, <clears throat> today, tonight, tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. So as we, we started out, we were saying, we said, almost always this parasha is read in the beginning of, of Tammuz. We mentioned last week, the name of Hashem we have is 26 times 12 is 312. That's the gematria for Chodesh. The time when Hashem's name really is out there is for Rosh Chodesh. How do we control the month? We control the month by having the right kavanav Hashem. We said Nisan is when we have the permutation of Hashem, the Yud, the K, the Vav, and the K. And the worst month of the year, the most, most Deen month of the year, is this month Tammuz, which is the reverse. And like we said, you have the He, the Vav, the, the He, the Vav, the He, the Yud. What is the Pasuk? Again, let's just go back just to, to, to conclude with that. It's really from Haman saying, And really you see Korach is exactly the same as Haman. Both had money, wealth, money, children, position, everything you could have, but they weren't satisfied with what they had, and they had to seek, they had to seek more. They had to seek honor. Korach repeats the behavior of Haman, and he messes up. So we have to remember that one of, one of the thoughts is you have really in, in this month a person to protect themselves. We had last week we discussed the whole idea of ga'ava. To protect oneself by being anav. So we said ga'ava, ga'ava was the gematria of ga'ava was 15. And 15 is the yud and the hay. That we should take the yud and the hay. Which is, that's why Hashem tells Yeshua, Hashem, yud hay will protect you. It says because through that. But the other aspect is the, that's always connected to humility is not to be jealous of somebody else. And that's the sin that really messes up. Korach is the sin of jealousy. That's the sin that messed up Cain, that he killed Hevel. And if we want to protect ourselves going into this month, when we have that kavanah, we have to remember, whatever Hashem gives us, who's the wealthy person? Hasameach Bechelko, who's happy with what he has. If Korach would have remembered this, then Korach would have fixed everything with regard to Cain and Hevel. And the whole thing would have been So we have then the, the, the number of levels of, the, of, of Korach, of, I mean of, of, uh, of Cain. There are the three levels of Cain. The, the nefesh of Cain was a Gilgul in the Mitzri. So remember the Mitzri comes, the Mitzri, the Mitzri is beating up the, in the beginning, the first story with Moshe. The Mitzri is beating up the, the, the Datan or whatever. And what happens is Moshe comes. He looks to see that this is who he is. Meaning he looks to see here and there. He's looking at his soul from the past and the soul in the future. And what does he do with him? But he buries him in? In the sand. In the sand. 
Korach is the, the Ruach. He could have fixed the whole thing, but again, Korach fails. Who's the one who repairs it? Is Yitro. Yitro is the Gilgul of, of, of Cain who repairs. How does he repair it? So the other Midrash says, what was the fight between Cain and Hevel? So it says, Cain was born with one, one sister, so to say, to be his wife. And Hevel was born with two sisters. Cain said, I'm the oldest, I should get the two. So their fight was, what well, most fights are in the right, was over a woman, right? Their fight was over a woman. So he says, what did, what did Yitro do? He brought Moshe, his wife. And that was how he was trying to be metaken on Cain, trying to take the wife from Hevel by giving the wife. And so the, the way that the Arizal writes it is that, is that, is that in many ways, Yitro was the, was the tikkun for, uh, for Cain. So, Moshe? Ten spies, part of the Korach group that got... No, the ten spies died already. So the ten spies came back, and their punishment was a terrible punishment. Their tongues were swell, swelled up out of their mouth, and it says like they, they were eaten alive from the outside in by, uh, by these bugs or whatever, because they spoke wrong, and therefore their punishment was, was, was you know, related to how they spoke. The, the strange thing, when you go into this whole story of Korach, the Adato, all Korach and this whole thing, there's actually two separate revolts. There's a revolt of Korach, and there's the revolt of Datan and Aviram. So the one revolt, how are they punished? They're punished with the fi- They bring the the uh, the uh, pans. the pans, right? The the ketoret. And what happens? They're burned alive through the ketoret, which is really they. How could they have brought the ketoret after what happened to the sons of Aharon when they brought the strange fire? So they're killed that way. And then Korach and his group are killed with the earth swallowing them. So basically, it was two separate battles against Moshe at the same time. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Moshe just falls on his face because he's had it. But Rabbi, Moshe is usually interceding for the people. Mm-hmm. In this situation, it seems he, he, he didn't intercede. If, if he had interceded, would the Karish Baruch have listened to him and... And with the tikkun have been made. So he goes, he goes very far. Interesting thing, he says that Hashem should not accept their mincha. Moshe says Hashem should not accept their mincha, their offering. It's very strange because, what do you mean? Moshe is saying, God, I don't want you to accept their offering. What you, if, if Moshe is right and they're wrong, what does Moshe have to worry about? So one of the things the rabbis tell us is that when a person prays, even if they're wrong, but if they pray from the bottom of their heart, then it has an effect. And Moshe had to specifically ask, almost like the Kohen Gadol asks on Yom Kippur, not to accept the, the prayer of the traveler, who's traveling and says, no rain, because anyone who prays with, with full meaning, he could be. So Moshe, Moshe in this case, I, I, I think part of Moshe is saying, is, and we have to establish that there's a rule and there's the way it's going to work and Korach is trying to separate out. But many of the arguments of Korach, I, I have to really look at all the other things because my problem with Korach is we still say, Darizal brings, Sadiq katamar yifrach. Those words, Sadiq is the righteous, katamar like a, like a date uh, will, will, 
will sprout. Who is Sadiq Hatamar Yifrach? That's Korach. How do you know? Sadiq, the last letter, is Kuf. Katamar, Reish, Yifrach, Chet. Not only that, so if we read what Victor writes this week, I didn't look yet. He writes, why is Korach going to be the Kohen Gadol at the time of the Mashiach? So Moshe had a lot. Korach is at a very, very high level, at a level of Deen, which is a little different. So Korach is not such a simple person. Korach is saying that his argument is really, is everyone is holy. There's no one more special than anyone else. And it's a reasonable argument if everyone was on the level. And there's a point in time that everyone will be on the level. Just not then. His argument of the tzitzit, if everything is blue, why do I need one string? It's the same argument. If everyone is holy, why do I need the leader? His argument that if I have a room full of sefer Torahs, why do I need a mezuzah on the door? Isn't the room, because aren't all the words, are you saying to me some words are more special than the other? His whole argument is on equality. But equality is only when everyone's at that level. And everyone could only be on that level when everyone's at the level of accepting deen. And everyone's only on the level of accepting deen at the time of the Mashiach. And therefore, at the time of the Mashiach, Korach, who's on the level of deen, could in essence be the Mashiach. So for me, it's very hard to understand. But it shows you at what level, what a high level Korach was, and what the potential was. To the point where, if Korach had done what he was supposed to do, then everything could have been finished. You know how they say, like, he could have finished the whole job in one day. There's certain tests that people have that they could finish everything in one day for everyone else. Korach had this all-encompassing soul that he could have fixed everything. And therefore his test was so hard. Because equal to the reward, you know, equal to the, yeah, the test has to be up there. So it's still, it's not, it's, it's very hard for me to understand Korach. So I, at least I spend the rest of the week trying to, to delve into him. Thank you everybody for coming. Thank you very much. I pray Mincha upstairs now. Rabbi, you said one time that the was a blue, uh,